Welcome to the Yarn Barn. And we're live inside the Yarn Barn with Dave Bock. Hey, uh, Dave, thanks for... Uh, Thanks for jumping inside the yarn barn and joining us here. And we were just before we started recording, we were we were having a bit of a, a laugh at uh, at dad life, and you know the guys who won't be able to see this footage. Uh, you're sitting in front of a it's a backdrop. I don't think it's 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 the real version of your your kitchen, but there's there's a there's a, a bit of stuff on the bench there, and 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 then I I showed uh, I showed you my. Um, my piles of laundry sitting around in my lounge room. So it's uh, it's good to know that I'm not alone in the uh, in the housework chaos from time to time. <laughs> well, first of all, it's great to be here, Liam. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, my my kitchen is messy. Breakfast and all that jazz this morning. Haven't cleaned it up yet. That's just dad life, isn't it? So that's okay. You got to be okay with. The chaos. I think. I think if you don't, you know, you're gonna you're gonna start to <laughs> go crazy. So, no, nah, um, it is know, it is what it is exactly. It is what and it is. Uh, no, I'm glad that uh, I'm just going to take it as that um, this conversation was is was your priority and is your priority for the day. So everything else is now um, out of the equation except for that phone call. But that's all right. We're uh, we're good. We're live. And it's a, and yep. I'm really excited for this uh, conversation. Exactly right. I, we haven't had a chat yet um, in this sort of context at all, uh, but I uh, I feel like through um, through what we've what you've uh, shared with me uh, in a in a message earlier is uh, is this conversation is going to be uh, a really good a really good one for the guys to listen to. Uh, I think there's some some pretty significant stuff uh, that you've you've experienced, and uh, and and so for me to be able to sit here on the other side of the screen and and, and be able to have you on here is is uh, is is awesome. And I'm really excited to to learn a bit more about you, man. So why don't why don't we why don't we start there and, and see uh, and just see where yeah no nah, thank you uh, yes yeah. uh, give us the yeah for sure sort of uh, thirty thousand foot view yeah. from uh, from where you are right now. <laughs> oh mate okay so i am a dad married um to my beautiful wife amanda um have three beautiful little girls addison ayla and amelia and they are eight six and three so a bit of a handful um so obviously you know got eight-ish years experience being a dad and over that time with three girls you sort of learn a few tricks um but we have had a, sh a fair share of uh ups and downs especially with our youngest amelia so she's got a couple of um intense medical issues so she was born uh, I, I should just start at the beginning with her so she was born with uh first of all she was born premature um so we're in the hospital in the in the in the neonative intensive care in uh, the hospital she was born in, but that hospital wasn't equipped to deal with her. Um, so she was um, experiencing some lung issues where she wasn't able, her lungs weren't over, able to process oxygen um, uh, as well as they should. So her very first day of life, she was transported via an ambulance intensive care team um, to a 
larger, more equipped hospital into the ICU. Um, and she ended up spending 31 days in hospital um, after she was born and then uh, probably in and out of hospital for roughly three of the first 12 months of her life. So that was pretty intense. Um, and then we found out later that she was actually born with not one but two chromosome issues. Um, and the the combination of those, she's the only one in the world, but the really rare one she's got, she's only one of three in the world that are known to have that particular issue. Um, so our, our sort of life before this chaos was sort of um, reasonably normal, but all of a sudden we've gone from this normal life with two kids to this upended life with three kids um like medical appointments start start just coming out of our ears trying to balance out work which i'll talk about because that's a very very big factor um just trying to be there for our other girls whilst also providing the support we needed for amelia and we call her millie by the way so i'm just going to call her millie um and uh and and yeah like so that's been a long journey um to, to to get from there to where we are now so now she's actually in a pretty good spot um next year we're hoping she's going to start kindy she's she's going to be four in september um but it's been a it's been quite a journey to get her from where she was where we didn't even know if she was going to walk or talk or anything and thankfully she's turned out okay and she is doing all of that um but we um we just had no idea of what these outcomes were going to be and along the way we've met parents of kids who have been in a lot worse situations than us like we've become friends with parents in hospital um you know where their kids have ended up not making it and stuff like that and that's pretty tough to deal with as well so uh yeah it's been a, a massive journey for us both of us my, my wife and myself have changed as people due to, to what we've gone through and what she's gone through um it's had some impacts on my mental health um it's impacted our relationship in a few ways as well um but yeah that's all stuff that i sort of want to maybe dive deeper into because I think where I'm at now is like I've recovered from a lot of the mental health stuff um, and life is actually pretty good, right? But getting from point A to point Z, I'm going to call it point Z, through all of the, the chaos and the commotion has been quite a journey. And I think that there are probably other dads and other parents out there that are either have been or going to be in a situation where you've got a child with a disability but there's literally we found there was literally very little support like you know if you if your child's got a, a i'm going to call it like so, something like asd or down syndrome or something like that you know you've got the autism foundation you've got the down syndrome society there's no unknown chromosome society so when when you've got a, a sort of one that's not on the list makes it very very difficult to get support we had to um my wife i should say had to advocate very very um aggressively for ndis support because you know you've got to fit into a checklist 
um, and our, our daughter very much does not fit into a checklist. So, uh, yeah, no, nah, it's been quite a journey, been quite a journey. But we're here now. Um, our life is good. And I think, you know, I've, I've, I've got a lot of knowledge and experience that I could pr- potentially share around that. So, yeah, pretty happy to talk about all and any of that stuff and, um, you know, other stuff as well, professional stuff. So, that's uh, yeah, for sure. I think that's a great sort of overview, that 30,000-foot view. You've done that. You've nailed that. So I appreciate it. Of, uh, <laughs> I, I definitely uh, I definitely have a few no, areas no where I'd like to go uh, uh, into a, a bit more depth with you as well. And I think these are, yeah, sure. you know, I, I, I generally with these conversations, I put my head into a place of, you know, where the other 3,000 guys inside of our community might uh, want to take these as well. And, and so... Uh, and a few of them are my own questions too. But can we start with, for, I've had some conversations with, with uh, dads who have had kids in um, the uh, NICU, the intensive care unit for um, for preemie babies. Yeah. And, you know, when that happened for you guys, when you guys, um, when Millie was born and, and that was the, the process that you guys were going to have to take, mm-hmm not knowing for how long that would go through what what is it that you were uh thinking at that time and feeling what are some of the things that were going through your mind at the time um look we we found out that she wasn't breathing um particularly well um pretty soon after her birth. So she was born via emergency cesarean, which is something I didn't add, but she actually had a cord wrapped around her neck several times. So it was literally like very unexpected, like into hospital, do some scans, like within an hour, we're in the operating theater, um, uh, you know, getting, um, getting, she's getting born. And like, so then we're thrown into this chaos. Then, um, they're, they're like, yeah, nah, her, her O2 sats just aren't, so oxygen saturation levels in her lungs just aren't getting to where they need to be. So um, they had to call in um, like the ICU paramedics, like so their pediatric ICU paramedic team, um, which is pretty confronting for your newborn child to, to have these guys in red, like normally they're retrieving people from car accidents or whatever. Um, and they're, they're here, like, connecting her up to all these tubes. They had her in this crib thing and, you know, putting her in the back of an ambulance. But got to say, the Ambos were fantastic. Um, they they sort of set our mind at ease. Um, it was a very pretty short drive over to the other hospital. But, you know, they're just taking all the precautions to make sure that she's protected and everything. Um, and, you know, neck, sort of next minute, we're in the hospital. Um, there's babies that are you know like the size of your hand that are born at 26 weeks kind of thing so what i've what i've sort of the lesson i've learned is like as bad as things were for us there's always someone else worse off um and that has given me or allowed me to keep a lot of perspective through this like which which we don't want to be we don't want to complain about our situation or Millie's situation because she's actually a trooper. Like she's a strong kid. She's had, had a few surgeries and, um, but 
but for us it was just like far out like what is all this what does this mean what's her future going to be like kind of thing right from day one so yeah there were there were those issues um right from day one thankfully the medical team at the Adelaide Women's and Children's Hospital were fantastic um there was a guy there who was like yep I know what this is I know the treatment like we can we can get her lungs stronger and um and do the medical procedure that needs to be done so they took her away and literally by the next morning she'd stabilized and she had improved and she was able to come back pretty quick to to where mum was and she you know my wife was thankful for that because she'd hardly even had the opportunity to see her um before she was taken away from her so you know that mm. was pretty traumatic as well and um i can see in the background that uh, someone uh, someone that you may have just mentioned sitting there uh, or making a coffee in the background. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. So actually as a result um, of that experience, that kind of, um, that kind of experience, we've had a few ambulance rides with Millie um, and that sort of actually inspired my wife to become an Ambo. So right now she's, she's, um, she's, doing ambulance work and saving people's lives she's done you know she's saved a couple of people's lives i'm really proud of her for doing that so like that's really amazing what she's doing and that was like largely started from the experience that we had with with this whole episode when i say it changed our life it really changed our life um she went from working uh you know from home in in a sort of office team leader type job to, to being an ambo out on the road and changing people's lives. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty inspiring yeah, stuff. It's, for it's my incredible wife, how, you know, from, from life's obstacles, things can change. And, and, and like you said, that, that word perspective is a, is a real important thing for us all to remember, isn't it? It's just, there's, there's so many different things that are happening 100%. on a day to day basis and, and for a mindset perspective, is is just being open to uh, to what this could be presenting in front of us and what it could be uh, able to provide for us as far as a you know a mindset shift or a, you know even like your wife's wife's uh, situation a, a full career change based off of the experiences um, that maybe she hadn't have had the opportunity to to yeah. be exposed to um, if uh, if this wasn't part of your your journey. Um, I was just going to ask, just for yeah. for us who maybe haven't gone um, or, or experienced uh, this before, like, so just to a bit more context around the the uniqueness of Millie's um, the, the chromosome uh, situation with Millie, just as a as a bit of a snapshot, just to give us a bit of a, an idea around what this looks like for for her, because it is it is such a unique um, a, a unique situation. Yeah, so um, Millie, I can't name them off the top of my head because it's like some crazy number, but DNA and chromosomes and all that stuff is um, measured in megabases. So I like, think megabytes if you're a bit of a computer nerd, but um, megabases. So Millie is missing certain megabases in one of her chromosomes and in another one, she's got some additional megabases. Right. So like, um, so what that does is 
statistically that puts her those things affect certain things in your body um certain ways your body functions all right so we from research there's very limited research because there's two other known cases of kids with the same uh one as one of the ones she's got um and there's a few more for the other one so the other one the the the, the sort of more common one is fine because they, they know more about it and they've mapped out the genome but for the unknown one they haven't mapped out that part of the human genome yet so they just don't know what these um these particular things uh, that she's missing are responsible for so all they've got to go off is the medical history of the other two people who are known to have the same condition or the the same missing bits of dna um and those other kids are sort of like non-verbal um not not like you know they're in special schools and all that kind of stuff um and that there, there was a history between the two of them of uh heart function issues kidney function issues um i think there was some kind of uh eye issue like sight issues as well so what we had at the start we had this long list and then when i say long it was two pages long of potential medical conditions and we effectively had to get medical tests done we just she was like a she was like a pin cushion we just had to take her into hospital and get these medical tests done so obviously we started off with the main things like cardiac you know it was a heart good um lung function vision hearing um and a lot some of that is done through the standard testing that you do on a newborn kid but um kidney function um just all these scans we had to do all these scans we had to do bone um like bone growth x-rays and um we're still we're still doing some testing but uh none of what she's ended up having is life-threatening or anything like that so we managed to rule out a bunch of stuff but it was just this un this time for probably for the first 12 to 18 months of her life where we were just constantly either in hospital or um or going into hospital for tests um the other thing the other thing that she she really had was she um she was immunodeficient so we'd get a cold we'd get over it in a couple of the couple of days kind of thing but if she got it uh she'd go into hospital for four days and she would be uh you know her heart would be racing she'd have a temperature she just like wasn't able to her immune system just wasn't able to react the normal the way a normal child's immune system would react um and so you know i think that put a, a cold just a normal cold put her in hospital multiple times um gastro put her in hospital at least once um uh once she somehow swallowed a leaf and like had a, like a bit of a choke so she's got uh she's got like a, a like a floppy airway so like where your, your larynx your larynx she's got something called laryngomalacia so swallowing was difficult so we always had to make sure she wasn't um drinking water um she had to have a, a peg a stomach feeding tube um for a while she actually had a tube up her nose and she'd always pull it out so my wife had to like reinsert it i couldn't do it 
Um, but yeah, like it's either that or a hospital trip to get the tube reinserted. Um, so after that, we 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 ended up getting a um, a stomach tube. So like she was literally for a while getting fed straight into her stomach through a tube. Uh, she was on oxygen. She was on twenty four seven oxygen for about the first two years of her life as well. Um, so we were carrying around oxygen tanks. Um, we got a caravan, so like literally, we'd go we'd go to major regional centres, and we'd have these huge big oxygen tanks delivered that we would like leave outside of our caravan at night so that she could sleep with oxygen and um yeah so there were just all these lifestyle all these things that she had that you know majorly affected our lifestyle like she would be like walking around with her with this backpack on with an oxygen tank on our back or under the pram or whatever it was um and we had oxygen cylinders in her bedroom and in the lounge room and everywhere in our house. Um, all that's gone now, thankfully. Like she's 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 off to daycare. You know, she she leads a pretty normal life now, which is good. But yeah, for that first probably one to two years of her life, that's she had the, a yeah, that, that would be really tough. And and that that unknown of what's you know. I mean, every every parent raising a kid has this level of unknown. We don't know what's what's going to happen day to day and stuff like that. But especially when you add in some of this, like complete uniqueness to a scenario that is, uh, even for doctors and stuff to be like, oh, this is this is uh, this is different. We haven't experienced this one in this hospital before, and you know those kinds of things adds in adds in a whole other element to to parenting. Yeah, and you know, I think. Uh, you know, I think I want to. I want to just touch on on you because this is this is also a conversation about you. Um, so, hundred mm, percent. So, yep. this big challenge. How did you, or have you always been someone that is resilient? Yeah, up until up until like the last couple of years, a hundred percent. Like, um. Yeah, I've been a pretty resilient person. I've been able to deal with most things that come my way without much, uh, I don't know, like drama sort of thing, you know. Um, but I think that this level of complexity, especially when it's just sprung on you, you don't expect it, right? It's just like one day, like, you know, you know you're know, you expecting because, you know, you can tell through the the, the pregnancy scans and all that that um this kid's gonna probably need a le- an extra level of attention when they're born but nothing prepares you for just being thrown into that i call like it's almost like it's it's a meat a mental meat grinder like suddenly you just got to deal with this stuff as it comes up you don't know what's coming up next you don't know what's around the corner you don't know what the future holds for this child who obviously you love. Um, you want the best for them, um, but you don't know whether you're going to be able to give that to them. Um, so that's hard. But then, so that's the parenting aspect, but then it's like balancing out all the other responsibilities like work, like, you know, as a dad, you get what I like, like I worked for a, for a major bank at that time. So I had good, good parental leave options, right? Um, I had um, 
three weeks. I think I had basically three weeks. You could get three weeks of, of leave or whatever. Um, but because she was in hospital for that 31 days, it wasn't enough. And I had to ring my boss and go like, dude, I'm sorry. Like, I just can't come back to work. And like I got, I like I even, I, I don't feel like at the time my boss at the time like really provided support. It was kind of like, oh, you know, well, when are you, when are you going to be back kind of thing? It wasn't like, oh, dude, take as much time as you need. Um, so that was hard. Like it was like balancing out work and home life stuff um, and and just trying to like uh, manage kids and other responsibilities as well and making sure the house doesn't end up being a complete pigsty and, you know, making sure that – the kids aren't just getting shipped off to grandparents 100% of the time. So, like, you know, a lot of the time during that that 31 days, one of us would be at home with the kids and the other one would be at the hospital. Um, so then it's like, you know, you suddenly you're not spending time together as a couple um, and it's just like, oh, on you. Like it's just uh, thrown on you, and you just got to you just got to do it. Like it's kind of like you're in survival mode, but you don't have time to be in survival mode. You just got to like do what you got to do for your kids. Um, but we were probably in that situation for a lot longer than most people would experience with a standard birth, or that that with that we experienced before with a, a sort of birth of a, a kid with or a child, I should say, with, with like, less complication. Um, so, you know, you know, like, after, you know, a month when you, a sense of normality hasn't returned because you're still going to the hospital every single day and whatever else. And also, like, just having to leave your child there um, is, is hard as well. Like, you know, you, you're not bringing them home. You're leaving them there and you're leaving them there overnight. And, you know, you can't stay there overnight every single night with them so it it becomes sort of emotionally difficult as well so yeah it uh it it definitely starts to take its toll on your level of resilience you know you you might have a bit of resilience banked up there but you sort of start questioning yourself am i doing the right thing kind of thing so you just got to roll with it you you got to i got this saying i got this saying we got this saying as a result of this follow the bouncy ball and that's exactly what you get to do the ball's going to keep bouncing mm. down the road and you just what do you mean when it. you said um that wondering if you're doing the right thing what's what's some of the, what do you mean by that um i think for me a big challenge was um i keep coming back to this sort of like balancing out work and home life um and i sort of had to prioritize work a little bit and let my wife take on some of the parenting responsibilities for a time because i felt like um i didn't have like like work knew what was going on but don't feel like in the early days of um of when millie was born that i had this the full support of my boss at the time um so it was really difficult to sort of like about like like you know at times i knew i should have been taking time off to go to appointments or knew i should have been taking time off to um give my wife a break um and and i didn't like i prioritized work um because i was like well you know it, it's going to 
it's going to cause more stress if I don't do that. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're not like as a, a dad and a husband, you feel like you've got these responsibilities to your family, right? But you're being pulled this way and that way at the same time. So you're like, what's the right call here? What What's the right decision to make? Um, and it's kind of like a lot of the time, it's not making the best decision. It's just making the least worst one. Um, yeah, and that and that sucks. Like that's a hard position to be in. That's a really really and, tough and spot to be in. You mentioned you mentioned mental health is uh, is something that was part of this journey, right? And and we're just sort of uncovering that now as far as how that starts to take that that, that toll on you, being pushed and pulled from from all different directions and that responsibility is weighing yeah, heavy on so, your head as, as, as the man of the house, as the, as the dad, as the, the husband, as the employee, all that kind of stuff starts uh, taking its toll and, and not having that. Um, I think, yeah, you just nailed it. This is not knowing what the right decision is, but just trying not to make the least wrong one. <laughs> That's yeah. that, that creates a lot of stress. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the, that um that time that period of time was um i had like i had this anxiety sort of episode at work like i was um i was at work and i i made a call i did something and my boss said something to me like something along the lines of are you just trying to piss me off or something like that like it was it was like real it was like real nasty. Um, and I, you know, I was just doing my thing. I was just like trying to do the right thing. Um, and anyway, like, uh, you know, I was working from home and whatever, but it was like just a chat message sort of thing. And, uh, that just, I was just like overwhelmed uh, from like, you know, obviously that was just like the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing. But, um, that led me to, you know, take the next day off work, go to the doctor. The doctor said, you got anxiety. It's not like a psychological type thing. It's like a, an environmental type thing. Um, and so he goes, you know, like it's an, uh, what did he call it? A, um, it's basically like a type of anxiety where it's hard for you to adjustment, adjustment um disorder so basically like you got all these different hats and each hat is like a different set of responsibilities dad husband worker whatever um and like you're constantly having to change roles like change chop and change your focus and that's not good for anyone like it, it doesn't give you the ability to maintain cohesion in your life um and that's where i was at and my wife was the same like she was sort of in her own in her own sort of uh spot in a different way um dealing with this issue in her way um but for me that was where i was at like i was it was um very difficult to balance out all the responsibilities i had um well because i'm a, i sort of like to do things with a level of excellence um and it's hard. It takes its toll when you feel like you're not able to give your full self to something because you're stretched so thin. Uh, so that's the start of where 
uh, my mental health journey um, started out. And I, you know, like I recovered from that. Like I went to a couple of therapy sessions and I'm like, yeah, I'm good now. I'll just stop this. And that probably was not the right decision to make. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like, I, ca- you know, I came good. Um, but there were it, – it sort of showed itself again in the future. Yeah. So that uh, adjustment, uh, quote-unquote, uh, disorder, you know, that relentless pressure um, of trying to wear all the hats and, uh, and that stress – just leads to leads to the inability, like I said, leads to that inability to be able to perform at your best and that optimum across all levels. And that you know, that's it's ultimately that burnout, um, you know, extreme burnout as well, isn't it? You know, it's trying to trying to cover all bases at the same time at the same level that you've always done it when there's been no other issues, uh, no other you know potential uh, challenges thrown at your way. You know, and, and you know, I've spoken to other people like this before around you know, but that. It, even from when you have your first kid, that transition from um, where it's just, you know, you and your partner and, you know, you can do your eight or nine hours of sleep every night uninterrupted and then you can still do your, your normal job and you can maintain the lawns and you can there's no laundry piling up everywhere and all these kind of things happen. And then all of a sudden you have your first kid and you realise yeah. oh, that is all almost all at the door now, like, there's going to be piles of laundry and dishes everywhere, and that's cool. And but still got to go to work, still got to maintain a relationship. You got to look yeah. after yourself as well. But it gets harder and harder. And then as you start to include any other stresses, it becomes it becomes tough. But also, you know, from that conversion from being a man into being a dad, and then you're adding up all these other layers of um, you know that that sort of ideal, what, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to provide for everyone? What, you know, that, that level of internal stress that we put on ourselves as dads as well. Um, and, and, and that I think from when you said there is, is I think really important, um, that recovered from mental health, you know, that's a big, that's, that's a big statement too. And a real, a real positive statement too. Like as far as, you know, um, you've seen that challenge, you know where you've been, you've gone and uh, sought the therapy. And, you know, I think a lot of guys are in that same boat too, but they'll go to a therapy session and, and go, I'll walk out of there and go, oh, that was good. Yep, all done. All right. It's it's not as easy as that, is it? There's <laughs> a bit there's a bit more work involved uh, beyond Yeah, that. that's right. But um, I think you're, there's potential leaning towards some conversation there around uh, – around how that works as far as the relationship. So, you know, there's there's that balance and you've, you've mentioned it a few times about the, the relationship that you and your wife had during this process and having during this process. Um, is that something that we can talk about now? Yeah, 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 of course. So um, this is this is this is probably where it's taken its, its toll a little bit, right? So like um, we we both were just focused on getting through this period of time with our little girl. And so you've got, you know, you both focus on that, but what happens to your relationship when you don't, you just like making that time that you should be making to spend together, like call it a date night, even if it's at home once a week or a 
dinner, going out to dinner together or doing something as a family. Because um, keep in mind, like I didn't really mention this, but all this is going on. Like she was born in September, Millie was born in September of 2019. So three months after she was born, um, we we went on holidays in like between sort of Christmas and New Year of 2019, 2020, um, start mm-hmm. of 2020, bam, COVID. So then you got lockdowns and all that kind of stuff. But she because she was immunodeficient, she was always at home because we believed with sincerity that if she got COVID, she might not survive it, especially like at that, you know, that early part of it um, where it was stronger and, um, they, they didn't know the ins and outs of it. And, you know, like obviously COVID's kind of got, gotten weaker and it has less effect on people, on most people now. Like if you get COVID now, it's kind of like just having a cold or whatever, right? But like back then it was a lot bigger deal, especially for us. And I was like, you know, I'm working from home. I'm not going to the office. Um, my wife was the same. Like she was working from home and she's a very social person so that's really hard for her so we literally like where i'm sitting now we had this desk set up with two computers like right next to each other we were like right next to each other so like even though our um you know we weren't able to spend like quality time together we were spending quite a lot of time together because we were just working um, but my wife, she was at, during, through that time, she was probably spending most of her time working. And if she wasn't working, she was advocating for Millie, like getting her, trying to get her NDIS and all that kind of stuff. Cause that was a, that was a massive journey. Um, but, and I, you know, and I was looking after the other, the other kids a lot of the time or, or just doing dad stuff, working, mm-hmm. trying to keep my lawn looking half decent. <laughs> um, but, you know, like what what fell away a little bit was that time for each other and that time spent together to, um, to uh, you know, just invest in your relationship with one another. And I believe that that is majorly important. Like you've got to look after yourself. Number one, you have to have self-care, but you also – in my experience, you got to look after each other as well. You got to, you got to have a, you got to have stability in your relationship, a level of stability in your relationship. Because if you don't have that stability, your kids, especially when they're my kids' age, they're gonna know, like they're gonna know something's off. They don't know what because they're too young, but they know something's off, and that affects them. And I've seen that. Um, so that's what happened with us. Something was off, and um, and. And it's taken us or me um, or us, I don't know, <laughs> like the best part of a, a year and a, a bit to work out like exactly what's going on and try and, and, and suss it all out. But we're getting there. So that's good. Like, but um, yeah, like things have been hard, you know, like it's it's been and that's no one's fault when you're in this situation, right? It's like no one's to blame. But what happens is you tend to argue more, you tend to fight about stupid crap more, you, you know, there's emotional 
you're emotional and the reason is it's not because there's anything wrong with your relationship like if there was anything wrong with our relationship if there if our relationship wasn't as strong as it was before all of this happened like i don't know if it would have survived but the fact is that it did um because it was strong because we'd like we've been married nearly 17 years so like been married quite a while and for 15 of those years it was all smooth sailing with no dramas but then we've had like this constant stuff thrown in and thrown at us and it's just like you got to deal with this you're constantly in survival mode and that's not good for anyone um so it's like it's no wonder um and i mean that like you look at the the rates of marriages not surviving when with um you know when a, a disabled child comes along statistically it's it's it is a lot harder right and i didn't understand that but i do now it's because you're just dealing with so much stuff and you literally do not have the space for each other it's just it's just how it is so i'm very conscious of making time like my wife loves spending time together as a family and with the kids so like a date for us now um is actually it's actually very very important for us to go and purposefully do things as a family include the kids like when i say it's date day like mother's day right it's going to be a date day but the kids are coming all of us are invited on a date we we go out and i mean we're not great at this we're trying to do this right like we're trying to have dates with one of us with individual like one of our kids so like my wife might take my one of my daughters to um you know to the local um, bush reserve and go for a, a walk or a run through there or you know i take little millie for for a coffee date here and there and um, she has a baby chino and whatever so like we try and spend one of like either of us will try and spend some one-on-one time with our kids as well and we do have you know we do go out for dinner ourselves occasionally as well um and our like we are by no means perfect like we've got our issues like every other married couple do um and we've gone through we've gone through the ringer together um but we're coming out the other side now and you know like um i was i got to a point where my mental health kind of took a dive last year early this year like pretty badly um, which probably didn't help that sit like the relationship situation um because i was got like i was really emotionally not stable um so like i was not looking after myself but now like the journey i've been on for the, like, the past 12 months or so has taught me that you've got to look after yourself first like you have to make sure that you're good and if you're not you need to do something to make to 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 get yourself to a point where you're able to function um and you're you can look yourself in the mirror and go i'm okay and if you're not like you got to reach out for for support um i've got a good support network around me like we've got a good support network around us um like all of my friends know what i went through and like there was a there was a time where they were reaching out to me checking on me daily to make sure i was all right like i had i had a few different friends and amongst them like in the group you know someone had reached out to me 
check on me, like call me, Facebook message, whatever. And sometimes I'd go, you know what? I'm not. No. And I had to learn to say that because um, for so long I went, yeah, I'm good. You know, I'm okay. And I wasn't. Um, but you have to, you have to learn that if you're not okay, it's okay to say that you're not okay. Um, nobody has ever given me grief for saying that I'm not okay. Um, and it's very, very important um, that if you're not okay mentally or emotionally, that you reach out to somebody, a trusted friend, like anyone reach out to me. Like I've gone through that uh, before. So, and, and quite, a, quite a number of the people who I reached out for help from have gone through their own mental health journey before, um, which actually was a blessing in disguise, right? Because they know what to do. They know what to say. Um, it's very confronting for somebody who hasn't maybe experienced um, mental health issues to be confronted with somebody who is potentially um, in a in a very emotionally unstable state, or you know, looking looking at at, at the world in a very unhealthy way. It's it's it is a confronting thing. So. You know, like as somebody who has now gone through that and has um, somewhat recovered, like I'm obviously I'm still on the journey, but um, has somewhat recovered. I'm always, always going to make myself available to help other people who are in that situation because it's not a nice place to be. But the key message is there's always the sun's going to come up tomorrow and it's going to come up the next day and it's going to come up the next day and eventually things will get better. Um, Cause like I didn't, I didn't see an end to what I was going through. Like the reality is there was, but I couldn't see that. Um, so uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of the, the journey there. I sort of, I sort of shifted that back into that mental health that's, space. Yeah. I, um but, You've, but yeah, um, that, that's where I mean you, you touched on you touched on a few different things there, and I think they all led to that that same uh, destination, which is you know what we're we're talking about. Like you know that that regardless of of what's happening in in our lives at any particular point, that you know two things I think that you covered there, which are which are aligned, is that you know if you're in a relationship, it's about ensuring that throughout that time that things are good and things are, you know, stable and quote unquote sort of, you know, moving normally, whatever that looks like, um, that you're building that relationship and you've got a strong foundation because when things do come into play that can rock that, you're solid. You're uh, as a team, you know, it's not going to be easy, but at least you know that you're both there and, and support each other through it. And then the other part that's that's really important that a lot of guys still Without, uh, with all the research and, and everything that's out there, all the influences on social media about you know, how to look after yourself and, and self-care and how important that is, and 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 you covered that that really well. That it's 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 extremely important, you know, that that we do look after ourselves because just as important as that relationship foundation is strong and needs to be solid for when things rock uh, at some point. So do we as individuals. We need to have that ability to be able to 
um, you know, be Indeed. Uh, solid within ourselves internally, emotionally, mentally, but also physically to be able to manage any of the things that come our way because they can come uh, like right now I'm sitting on the couch talking to you. It's a beautiful day outside, but at any stage I could get a phone call that could rock my world or, you know, I could, you know, whatever, whatever could happen. And so, you know, having that ability to be able to um, That's it. be able to be prepared enough to manage some of the, the emotional or mental challenges that come our way is, is extremely important. And self-care is that, is that, um, is that piece that, 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 that holds that together. Uh, and, and we just don't do it enough as, as blokes. I actually think many blokes, including myself, like prior to going through this, know how to practice self-care. I don't think any, uh, I don't think many blokes pay attention to it when things are going well, because they feel they, they, they probably don't need to, but it's like, how do you prepare yourself? How do you make sure that you are in a position where, you know what, like if something like this um, rocks your world unexpectedly, how do you deal with that? Like how, how do you make sure that you've got a, that you've got a strong enough foundation that that's not going to rock you. Cause I thought I had a strong foundation. Like, and I think I did have a reasonably strong foundation, but like something like this just rocked me and like, I'm stronger and I'm better for it. Like I'm a, like, I've discovered a lot about myself. I've dealt with a lot of stuff from my childhood and my past and whatever else in the last 12 months. So as much as it's been like a period of, mental craziness uh and i don't mean that in like i'd mean just chaos um i've also grown as a person um somehow i've completed um a degree um I, you know like i've grown i've changed as a person i've studied whatever um i've still managed to through that process of such um un <laughs> call it emotional instability and a bit of mental health stuff thrown in there i have managed to come out the other side a stronger person as a result of a couple of things uh self-care um is one um i've got faith so my faith is is as an integral part like that's not for everyone and that's okay but it's something that um i practice um and then i also have learned about meditation and just being still and and not thinking about anything just allowing your mind to clear of all the junk that floats around in there um and there's there's a few ways to do that i use breathing exercises and meditation and there's like heaps of guided meditation apps that are really really good for that stuff um but i i also you know i spent i've spent best part of the last 12 months in um it was weekly it's not weekly now it's probably monthly therapy sessions um just talking my stuff through um and learning to do meditation and all that kind of stuff. So that, that 
uh, exercise as well. So um, although I'm not great at it, I don't like going to the gym, but I do go or I have been going. I've sort of stopped now and I think I'll like get the bike out and start doing bike rides again because um, I like being outdoors. So um, all that stuff, like just fo- like what you enjoy. Like if you're moving, that's good. Like if you're doing some form of movement, like I play music, I play guitar, um, that does it for me. Like if I'm in a bad mood, I get my guitar out and it lifts me. Um, I'm starting to learn piano as well. So I'm uh, like, I'm enjoying the music side of things. Um, that stuff relaxes me. You just got to find stuff that you enjoy, but also mindfulness. Um, mindfulness is probably the biggest thing, like being present where you are, knowing yourself and that if things aren't right, knowing it's okay to reach out to someone and just talk about it and um, vent. And even if that person doesn't say anything, even if they just listen, you're getting something off your chest. That's going to, that constitutes a level of emotional release. Um, Guys, far too often we build stuff up and that isn't healthy. Like building stuff up and not talking about it means that one day, you're just going to like something's going to trigger you and you're just going to like it's all going to blurt out and probably not in the healthiest way. There are healthy ways to let that stuff go. And I've had to learn that like 100%. I've had to learn that Um, and I'm still learning it. Like I'm not done on this journey. Like I'm probably just starting out. Um, But like also I think in, in my experience, there's there's a level of experience that I do have now that I want to share with others because ultimately I don't want to see other people go through what I went through because they don't have to, they don't have to let it get that bad in themselves. They can, there's, there's ways and there's means and there's resources out there um, to help with that kind of stuff. And so that's probably the stage that I'm at now. Like I want to start to help other people on their journeys, especially in this group, you know, like this group has been so helpful to me. Like I've posted, I've posted anonymously when I was in my really bad times. Um, I've posted, um, I've just looked at other people's situations and the comments on there. And, you know, I've been encouraged by that. So like the, the, the network and the Facebook group is so good. It's so encouraging. It's a good starting point. Like there's guys who reach out, who speak to you. Like I've speak, I've spoken to a few guys um, directly, you know, like who've either messaged me or I've messaged them. And well, that's a great community. And, and it's been super helpful for me just to like know that other people, I'm not the only one going through this kind of stuff. Like there are many dads around Australia and around the world going through similar things um other things different things but i think all together you know like a problem my my old man always says mm-hmm. a problem shared is a problem halved and that's true like share your share 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 what you're going through with people that there's no judgment like i don't think i've seen judgment from anyone in this group i've not experienced it with my friends i've shared my mental health journey um I haven't experienced any judgment. And so, you know, like I'm happy to talk about my experiences. I've got a blog now that I've started writing openly about what I've gone through. Um, And I will continue to um, because I think that it's important for people to know that like, you know, these influences and whatever on Facebook, 
or Instagram, you know, they show you the perfect lives, but life isn't like that. Life is real and it's raw and that's what life is actually about. Um, and it's important for people who have gone through these types of issues to speak up so that other people who are going through them know that it's okay to speak up and not just like keep them internalized. So that's that's what I'm about now. I'm about helping helping to, I guess, in my own way, convey Incredible. that message out it's, there. Uh, it's from everything that you mentioned today in this conversation. Um, you know, obviously, besides uh, resilience, you know, very resilient individual, but I also see someone that's extremely driven as well. You know. And that's that's not just. I mean, I think that driven is someone that's or it seems to be portrayed someone more in a career sort of perspective. But I think from from what you've you've um, shared with us today is that you know that that covers everything from that personal uh, being driven from a personal sense, but also um, in a way to to help the broader community. Um, you know, I think that's what you're doing through what you've experienced. And what you are talking about continuing to do in that helping community, helping people through your experience, it's it's, it's an extremely uh, inspiring thing that you've you've been able to come out of something that's uh, extremely challenging uh, to then be able to use that as a, as fuel to your fire to help the to help others, and not just you, your wife as well. You know, to to go through what uh, what she's been through. Um, and what you guys have been through together, and then for her to be now sitting in a in an or working towards you know sitting in an ambulance and, and doing all that sort of stuff and, and helping people like you said save lives uh, from a physical perspective, um, what a duo that you guys have <laughs> have become. It's she she she's amazing. Um, she yeah. she actually wants to be a paramedic, um, and she's. She, she got in on the ground level. She's not on the ground level anymore. In under 12 months, she's she's progressed her career. She's working towards um, becoming a paramedic, which is like, you know, there's obviously very, like sort of different levels of ambulance um, people. Um, but, yeah, I'm real proud of her. She's done incredibly well. Um, she was inspired by that, that sort of first experience. Um, she saw how ambos you know like they walk into this chaos and they're so calm and that's just her she's got this like when she's got a uniform on she's got this like way that she just walks and it's all very chill and relaxed and like you know yet they jump in and they start (laughs) chucking tubes in people's throats and doing cpr on them and whatever and they're just like they're so calm and oh man i don't know what i'd do in that situation but um yeah a hundred percent like she she's done amazing like in the last 12 months she's um she's done some incredible things and um yeah i'm super proud of my wife now you're proud of yourself it's great um oh i don't know i've like i've never thought about being proud of myself i just you know like i'm focused on doing what i'm doing and i don't know what the the next um i don't exactly know what the the next steps are in this like I, i I've just started this blog, um, probably career-wise. Like I'm, I'm looking at moving into cybersecurity. Might start like a some kind of cybersecurity um, sort of 
company for small businesses and stuff to do a bit of consulting or whatever. Um, but I definitely want to continue on this journey of um, speaking out about mental health for dads. It's actually something I've been wanting to share for a while is this whole experience with my daughter. My my sort of ultimate aim would be to, to have or to start up some kind of support group for parents of children with rare chromosome disorders because there's no support like we found very little support out there like very little information on what we should do how we should um like apply for ndis and we got heaps of knowledge in that space now and that's knowledge that i feel should be shared um, because like you know my wife and i were reasonably well um you know, we're well-rounded sort of thing. Like what happens to less to, to, to less well-off people kind of thing who just don't know how, like where to start with this stuff? Like how can we help those people who just need a bit of assistance in that, um, in that like applying for NDIS phase um, and just like get around them and give them support because it's a hard spot to be in. Like with literally, you know, you got doctors and stuff who tell you what to do, but you got to go and fill out this 15 page document for NDIS. And if you get one section of it wrong or whatever, it's like, yeah, just do it again and resubmit and wait another six weeks. Meanwhile, you, your child is, is not getting the care that they need. And with, with Amelia, I directly credit um, my wife's um, early intervention and early advocacy in getting her the NDIS support she needed for where she is today. She wouldn't, um, like Millie would not be where she is today if my wife didn't do the advocacy, um, like at great expense to her own self. Um, like my wife really, really went through a hard time because um, advocating for NDIS, like you're just getting shut down, you're just getting rejected, like phone call after phone call, letter after letter, email after email. It's a hard slog. And she did it practically on her own. Um, and um, that sort of, I call it a sacrifice because it is, right? That directly had an impact on now, like she's okay, she's she's going to be okay. Um and that's because of the work my wife did early on to make sure that she wasn't going to go without the support that she needed. So we definitely like um, we definitely want to uh, eventually do some sort of thing. Like I don't know, I don't know what shape it's going to take, how it's going to look, but it, that's something that's definitely on the cards for the future. Is supporting people. Um, or families with children with rare chromosomes. Again, I think disorders. I've said it a number of times in this session um, of uh, this episode is uh, just incredible. You know, it's just, uh, it's it's amazing to, it, 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 and what I love about the, the Dads Network and just being able to have these conversations is that, um, you know, we're, we're, we're just everyday dads that are just doing what is necessary for us and the, and the people in our corner and and having that level of energy to be able to do more and and i really uh, and i really see that in in what yeah. you guys are doing and uh I'm, I'm excited to to continue to follow along on the journey of what you guys what you guys do and i know a lot of the dads this will resonate with a lot of the dads inside of our community but also anyone else that listens to this uh and, and 
and not just the dads that have uh, kids on NDIS or 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 anything like that. It's this is, this will resonate, and your messaging will mess will resonate with a lot of the dads that are going through a bit of a rough time. Um, you mentioned the you, you mentioned your uh, your blog uh, that that could convert into a whole range of different things. I reckon. Um, how can guys uh, how can guys find you? How can guys find the blog? Uh, what's for anyone that wants to reach out to you? What's what's the best way to to follow along on your journey? Um, my blog is theshedexchange.co. Um, so if you go there, my Facebook, my email, my LinkedIn, my Instagram, I'll have all those on the contact page. Um. The blog is sort of a work in progress at the moment. So a couple of things on it are broken, but I'm fixing them. Um, so it's there. I've got like basically a synopsis of this story as the first blog post. I've got a couple of other blog posts going. I've got some cyber security stuff on there. Um, so I've actually got a, a guide um, for password and password hygiene and, and best practice with sort of like online security. So protecting yourself online. So um, I'll actually share that on the network today because it's a good sort of like little document I've written just about, you know, keeping yourself safe online. I had a, a friend last week lose their Facebook account because they got hacked and I don't want to see that happen to other people. Um, it's like cyber criminals are like the, you know, the people, People out, people out there do some horrible things on the internet. Um, I think I mentioned it. Meant, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it in the blog, but I was definitely thinking it when I wrote it. The internet's the wild west, and like if you're not practicing good password hygiene, multi-factor authentication, um, and keeping yourself safe online, then eventually you're going to get hacked one way or another. Um, so, and it's only going to get worse in the future. So. Um, like my blog is sort of, yes, it's my journey, but it's kind of like a big mashup of cybersecurity, dad life, mental health, um, tech. So anyone that, oh, and power tools. So like <laughs> I had to throw power tools in there, right? I haven't actually got any power tool content on there yet. And projects, just projects that I'm doing like, so house stuff might be might be tech stuff, whatever. Like I plan to chuck all that stuff on there. It's just like me. It's just like literally me in a nutshell. Um, all my crap that I used to like write big long Facebook posts about, I don't want to do that anymore. So I just thought I'd start a blog where like people can go, they can find me, they can read about me. If they want to reach out, I'm always happy to like have people reach out to me. I will get back to any messages that people send me. I'm happy to talk to people. Like if you've got stuff that resonates, if you're going through problems that like that, you know, you think that you just want to talk to someone like reach out to me. Uh, even if I just listen, I'm happy to have a chat. Um, like I'm not going to throw out advice necessarily because i may not be the best person to do that for someone i don't know but i'm happy to listen and i'm happy to like sort of share my journey and um yeah like anywhere that i'm equipped or whatever to to, to help someone then i'm more than happy to do that so like any of the guys on the group add me on facebook reach out to me go to my blog um you know, happy for you to follow on Instagram and LinkedIn or whatever else. Like, I, I'm not a huge, I don't have much social media. Those are my social medias, Instagram, LinkedIn and Facebook. But, yeah, always happy for for people to, to get in touch and, you know, happy to also 
uh, help with tech and cybersecurity questions and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, like I'm like I just like helping people. So yeah, more than happy. It kind of sounds like uh, when you got the you got tools, you've got the projects. Um, it kind of sounds like you know it, it sounds like the Bunnings Warehouse. That if you owned a Bunnings Warehouse, that's the one that I'd want to go to because I get. It's called, it's called the Shed Exchange exactly, for a reason. Exactly. It has to have so Shed stuff. I reckon <laughs> Shed Exchange starts a Facebook group and then every Saturday morning you're on a live sausage sizzle where everyone cooks their own sausage and, uh, and we talk, <laughs> oh, talk mental health, we oh, talk yeah. tools, and we, we, we embrace the, the green lawn uh, and, and share stories on fertiliser. <laughs> My lawn's looking yeah. pretty crap at yeah. the moment. It needs That's to awesome. work. But yeah, nah. <laughs> It'll get there. <laughs> it's all right. It'll get there. Just like the, well, just like plenty the kitchen. Plenty of time the rest of the day for that. Um, it's all good. And speaking of that, I've got to go and fold some laundry. Dave, I really appreciate you. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing your story. Uh, oh. I'm really excited to be able to get the guys' ears wrapped around this episode and, uh, and, 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 and that they follow along on your journey and uh, and you get to interact i think there's there's so much in um in this episode that's really uh, it's really exciting to hear the responses that come from it keep doing what you're doing keep being your, your resilient self and your Beautiful. driven self and uh yeah we'll uh, we'll talk again really soon cheers mate thanks liam i appreciate it mate thanks